This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, I'm Joyce Teo and welcome to Health Check. In this first episode of 2022, we are going to look at the inevitable use of artificial intelligence in healthcare. Well, it's not just robotics, which is easier to accept. It is smart technology that can seem scary because the machine knows so much and can do so much. AI can create a lot of discomfort in patients and doctors alike. Because when it comes to your health, how can you put your life in the hands of a machine? How should you view them and use them? And, you know, what are the possibilities? We'll hear from Professor Joseph Song, Dean of the Lee Kong Chien School of Medicine at the Nanyang Technological University, who is very keen to explore the use of AI in healthcare. Hi, Prof Song. Welcome. Thank you, Joyce. So it seems that the use of AI in healthcare is inevitable, right? So tell us how this will change the future of healthcare, particularly in primary care. Uh, I think in particular, we will be able to empower patients or any individuals to look after themselves, even at home, even before they start to uh, develop any illness. I'm talking about patients who can monitor their own blood pressure at home continuously, and then the data will be sent to the AI system that detect any abnormalities, maybe advising the patient when or whether they should uh, come to the clinic or the hospital for further management. I see. So it's taking what is already out there, taking it a step further. Because right now you can actually, I mean, patients do monitor their blood pressure at home, right? And then they report the readings. Yeah, people do monitor their blood pressure, but uh, they don't know what to do with all the readings. Uh, With artificial intelligence, we can incorporate a daily continuous measurement of blood pressure or blood sugar, combining with their, for example, their medical history and other investigation, blood tests and so on, then the warning will be sent more appropriately uh, or the prediction of outcome will be more accurate. So that is where AI comes in. So that's a move to, I guess, more independence in healthcare, right? Like the individual has to do more for themselves. Yeah. And on the side of the uh, healthcare providers, a lot of mundane work can actually be done by the machine and saving time for healthcare workers to focus on what needs their focus and attention more. For example, talking to the patient, explaining the situation and so on. And uh, in AI tools, um, there are two different types. One is so-called image-based AI, and the other is database or language-based processing. Uh, And it is really the image-based tool which is uh, more maturely developed. For example, X-rays, uh, mammograms, x-ray of the chest for detection of pneumonia, used to be read by human doctors, but now can be very quickly and also very accurately uh, read by machine. Uh, I'm a gastroenterologist, so in, um, in the field of uh, digestive diseases, uh, there are also many opportunities because there are many images that will be produced by endoscope or uh, some, some of you might have heard um, capsule endoscopy. They produce millions of pictures um, uh, for, throughout the whole process, which was a very painful procedure for uh, doctors to go through this in the whole uh, intestinal tract to detect any abnormalities. But AI can now help us to identify where and what kind of abnormalities patients might have 
that require further investigation in uh, management of uh, complicated diseases. Uh, however, at this point, uh, we are still in the learning phase. You know, so when it comes to technology and healthcare, trust, as you have said in your blogs, is a major issue. Um, how do you think we can cross this hurdle? Uh, I think that it is, this is a very critical issue before uh, we can actually use or implement AI tools in our daily practice. Um, patients or any individuals have to trust the system that the, their own health data uh, and lifestyles and so on will be uh, kept uh, in a secured uh, environment and their usage uh, will have to get their approval. Therefore, uh, they would not worry about uh, uh, the data or the private data being abused. The government uh, will need to put in place a, a very careful uh, governance structure, make sure that the user of such data is well regulated and uh, well monitored. And doctors also need to learn how to trust and work with uh, machines. And that, first of all, rely on production of um, clinical efficacy uh, from clinical trials. For example, we talk about uh, AI tools in monitoring uh, abnormal blood pressure or blood sugar. I think we need to see uh, clinical studies to confirm that this tool actually will help patients better control of their blood pressure and blood sugar and turns out to have uh, less serious sickness or lower mortality uh, as a result of benefit of this tool. But even when there is trust, right, I think for patients, right, they would fear the loss of the human touch. You know, when you're sick, you like to have a doctor to actually accompany you right, throughout the whole journey. Ah, that, uh, that is very important, and that points to the fact that doctor's role may change from just, um, you know, providing information and uh, making decisions. Then they can spend more time to talk to the patient, explaining to them why this decision is made and what options do they have, and also looking into the emotional aspects, the psychosocial aspects of the patient. So uh, when the mundane part of uh, healthcare delivery is being taken up by the machine, the human side of medicine, uh, the um, personal and emotional care, uh, hopefully will be um, better looked after by doctors and nurses. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. You actually mentioned that, you know, when it comes to AI, it's like sitting with the patient in a driverless car and then having the patient and doctor trust the technology. So um, for the patient, you know, like how do you ensure that the doctor is going to sit in the car with you the, throughout? Well, as I said earlier, uh, the doctors must have some uh, confidence that this car is not going to crash or to make major um, accident. And that has to rely on uh, clinical studies um, that prove that they are valuable. At the moment, a lot of AI tools are being developed, but clinical evidence is still lacking. I see. Well, in Singapore, you know, what can the people here expect? Like, what is the most exciting AI tool that you expect to see, and when will that be? On the population level, um, patients can benefit from using AI tools to 
help to take care of themselves at home, uh, not just for the diagnosis and detection of abnormalities, but also for rehabilitation. For example, patient who had a stroke can start to um, do exercise and monitor their progress by AI, and they would <clears throat> be able to tell uh, what kind of exercise will benefit them most and whether or not they are recovering or whether the conditions remain static. And uh, we are also looking into future possibility of using AI to detect uh, people who have depression, people who have psychiatric illness or mental disorders, and also patients who may have early uh, dementia or cognitive impairment. How would this work then? Because we are now developing uh, machines that talk to people, and uh, during the conversation, the usage of words, the conversation, whether it's making sense or not, as well as the facial expression and the gesture of the patients, they can all come together and produce possible diagnosis of uh, depression uh, or early cognitive impairments. For example, people who are depressed usually talk with very monotonous voice. Uh, they talk slowly. They don't have much movements. And those signs can be picked up by the machine uh, for, to suggest uh, early diagnosis of depression. I see. Interesting. So it's like even when you, if you're using your phone. Yeah. Uh, your phone can pick up the voice mostly, but a uh, machine can also um, pick up the, the image, the facial expression, the gesture of the patient. And also the content can be uh, interpreted by the machine. Uh, if patient's uh, content uh, using certain words repeatedly, or even uh, uh, conveying ideas of a suicidal attempt, then we have uh, we we have very strong signal that this is a uh, a seriously depressed person. I see. So it will be in the form, say, like a phone, like a device that you carry with you every day, or is it something that you talk to, say, at a clinic or the hospital? Uh, right now, I think uh, the development is still in the stage of uh, uh, establishing this, the tools to pick up certain signals. Uh, in the future, I think it may be used uh, on a uh, laptop computer or an iPad or even a phone. I see. That's interesting. It's like having a robot at home that can tell you whether you're sick or not or need help. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, earlier I was asking when would we be able to see this. So how's the, the speed of the research like, right? Is it something that will disrupt healthcare in a matter of a few years or 10 years or so? Uh, I think the speed is really fast in the technology development part. But the, uh, what we need now is to produce enough clinical evidence and also to uh, overcome the hurdles of uh, implementing this in a real-life situation. So um, I, I think uh, with, with more uh, resources uh, to put in to support this kind of research, we will be seeing quite a big change in, in the coming years. I'm talking about uh, three to five years uh, in our healthcare uh, delivery. Right. And Prof, at the school, how are you preparing the young doctors for this? And generally, are they receptive of you know, the use of AI in healthcare? Yeah, I think all our medical students, uh, they were born with uh, uh, iPads and, and other devices, and they are very accustomed to um, uh, uh, interacting uh, with the computers. Uh, so what we have now been doing is to introduce in our 
uh, medical curriculum topics such as digital health, topics such as uh, AI and robotics, how they could uh, work with uh, doctors and nurses in the clinical setting, and also to introduce topics for ethics and legal uh, aspects of using AI in future medicine. What are some of the legal aspects? Can you share them? Right now, when uh, the patient's healthcare is taken care of by doctors and nurses in hospital, if anything happened, then the responsibility goes to most likely um, the healthcare providers or the institutions. But when a machine comes into the equation, uh, and when things goes wrong, uh, we will need to think about who should take the responsibility. Should it be the machine, or should it be the producer of the machine? Or should it be the hospital that acquired the machine and allow it to be used on patients? Or whether it is still the doctors who uh, should take the final um, uh, responsibility and liability of some mishap that might happen. So on this part, uh, I think there is still some uh, murky water, something which is not well defined. And that is an, another area that I'm interested in. I'm working right now with lawyers, ethicists, and social uh, sociologists to try to uh, look into this kind of issues. Right, that sounds really complicated. Would it actually um, depend on the what um, the actual disease may be or the treatment? Uh, well, of course, uh, different kind of disease will have different level of sophistication. Uh, however, uh, some principles uh, should be laid down, some framework should be established on the liability issues. Inevitably, uh, the human doctor will have to take a fairly uh, significant part of the liabilities because he or she uh, should still have the final decision of what to give or what not to give to the patient. But as a model of uh, driverless car uh, development, from a totally manually driven car to a 100% automated car, there is several steps of advancement from uh, the car taking over the driving part of the vehicle uh, to automation. And with each step of advancement, uh, then the control of uh, the human driver will be uh, declined. And therefore, uh, responsibility should also be shifted. So uh, I think we prefer not to have a fully automated uh, machine that uh, will take care of our patients. We will still want to have human uh, decisions, discretion of the clinicians with explanation and sometimes even decision made together with the patients and the doctors to be the final decision. So uh, in that case, uh, we will have to apportion the responsibility and the liability. Right. Shouldn't it be the doctor as in it shouldn't change that much, right? So if you're seeing with the car, the doctor is there. And if, you know, it's a sudden treatment, the doctor is there to sign it off as well. Yeah, as I said, uh, usually the doctors will have the final uh, say and the decision on what to do with the patient. So I, I think uh, clinicians should still take the major responsibility. And therefore, the future of medicine is not AI-driven medicine, but AI-assisted medicine. Uh, the tools should only be used to aid, to help the physicians to get the latest information, 
to get the most objective data on decision making. But the final decision should still rest upon、uh, the clinicians who is responsible for that patient. I see. Yeah, that's interesting. Assisted rather than driven, so we don't lose the human touch as well in healthcare. Thank you for your time today, Prof Song. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check a podcast series by The Straits Times. Don't forget to subscribe to us for free on your favorite smartphone apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Search for Straits Times Health Check, like us, and give us a rating. Thank you for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph dot com dot sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM eighty-nine point three, you can also download the Audio by SPH app. That's A W E D I O.